but then really looking at like, why, why would people need choice? Maybe because schools haven't changed too much or schools, um, aren't meeting the needs of all different types of students. So how can we rethink schools? Like what could it look like and why could it, you know, why can't it be different? Hey, it's Zach and I need to interrupt a moment because we are doing an incredibly exciting thing that requires your participation. Once a month, we will be featuring a teacher challenge on an episode and attempting to tackle the challenge between the four of us on the show. We want to hear from you about the challenges you might be facing in your classroom this year. Every teacher featured will receive a gift card, and at the end of the school year, we will draw a name randomly from all those who shared to award a $100 gift card. To share a challenge and earn a chance to win, simply call our number and leave a message. That number is 616-965-6606. Again, 616-965-6606. This is Transforming Learning. Welcome back to the show. This is Amy, and in today's episode, Pete is interviewing Melody Arabu. Zach, can you tell us a little bit more about Melody? Yeah, thanks, Amy. So... Pete caught up with Melody Arabu because she is uh, an educator with a lot of experiences, a lot of different kinds of experiences. And as 2014-15 Michigan Teacher of the Year, she was able to gain some national experiences and outside the classroom work, but then continued on with some of that at the national level, as well as going back into the classroom in a couple of different capacities. So she's had some different roles. She's going to share from her experiences what she's noticed in trends in education. And Pete and Melody will talk a little bit about that. But they'll also get into a children's book that she wrote about bullying, although from a very unique perspective. All right, so here are Pete and Melody. I am here with Melody Arabu. Melody, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. So I really wanted to have you on the podcast, Melody, because really your professional experience is, I would say, quite eclectic. So you've got a, 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 I guess, much more national perspective on the field of education now, Melody, than most of us do, certainly me. What are some of those trends that you're seeing some of the major challenges or some of the major successes? What, from your view, what are you seeing at, from a national level? Well, definitely from the educator perspective, I know that uh, mental health in schools is probably the biggest area of concern. I mean, we've seen such a rise in all of these school shootings and um, just the problems that come with not tending to mental health and making it an intentional part of, you know, what happens at school. And so that's something that we heard nationwide, just this outcry from teachers, like, please help us. And I know that's something I experienced, you know, in, in making the decision not to go back to the classroom this year. I know that my last year there, um, I was struggling. I mean, kids have different behavior needs than they did. I mean, if I've taught the same grade for 16 years, it should be pretty, pretty, I don't want to say easy because it's never easy, but I should be, I should feel confident about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but kids are just different now. They have different needs. They have different issues. Um, uh, we haven't had a counselor at my school in seven years. Mm. 
and we have one principal for almost 700 kids, no assistant principal. Um, we don't have pair pros in our classrooms anymore. And so my class sizes are bigger. I had 30 plus kids. And so I was struggling and um, the kids were struggling and I saw a lot of needs around mental health. And that was one of the things like until I feel like I can actually help them, um, I didn't feel comfortable in that role. And so that's a big thing for teachers. Um, The other thing is I really am advocating for career pathways for educators, Mm. right? So you're either a teacher or you're a principal or you leave completely and there is nothing in between. Um, I thought we had such high hopes for that hybrid role and that there would be things like that, you know, in Michigan, even not in my district, but elsewhere, I couldn't find any positions like that. Mm. And so again, I made the choice to leave because there wasn't a way for me to teach, but also lead and, you know, stay engaged in policy. So um, I I think teachers really want to think about like, how can I do more, but also stay connected to kids? That's something we heard a lot. And then um, I know rethinking schools is a really big topic. Okay. Um, And that's what the administration is focusing on right now. You know, like at first the uh, focus was on school choice, but then really looking at like, why, why would people need choice? Maybe because schools haven't changed too much or schools um, aren't meeting the needs of all different types of students. So how can we rethink schools? Like what could it look like? And why could it, you know, why can't it be different? Uh, Why do we have summers off? Why do we have, you go from one hour to the next, the next. Um, Why do we have grade levels? Mm. Um, So what can we do differently to innovate schools? And that's something I'm really interested in. Yeah. Um, Even for my own kids, you know, um, uh, my kids are very different and my daughter's really happy at her school, but I see it as a really traditional middle school and she's very design minded. I would love for her to go to either a performing arts school or a school that focuses on design, um, something where she could just foster those things a little bit more. Um, but we don't have anything like that in the area. So why can't we, uh, my son goes to private school and he is thriving there and he's fully included in general education and is getting everything that he needs. Um, but I had to move him from his, you know, public school to a different school to get that. So I think we could do a better job of um, changing Mm. what we've been doing for hundreds of years now that kids have changed so much. So those are, those are three big areas that we talked a lot about at the federal level. Yeah. All of those are quite interesting. Um, um, Maybe just lingering a bit on rethinking schools. The last one you, you offered, what are some of the ideas being proffered to meet that challenge um some of the things getting kicked around if you could enlighten us a bit so i always come back to my colleague megan powers school so she was a fellow with me this past year she teaches at design 39 campus in san diego Mm. and she was one of five teachers that was brought into a community discussion about like what could a school look like what could it be like what could it you know uh, what would it feel like and they built a school literally from the ground up. Mm. Like I just saw a picture of her and the other teachers with shovels, like breaking ground for the school. And it looks different than most schools. Teachers are not just one teacher in a classroom. They're more like facilitators and they kind of um, have an ebb and flow. Like sometimes she's teaching her um, students and sometimes she's giving tours around the building or going off and doing leadership things. It's shared leadership. So any decision that's made is made with the entire staff and not just the principal. Um, And then they just have really innovative ideas. Like kids are really engaged and in charge of their own learning. 
um, where they're not just like sitting and doing a math lesson and then moving into science and then it's all integrated. I mean, it mm. just sounds, I told her my dream is to come visit her school <laughs> and then build one here. Yeah. Um, it's just different and it's working really well. I mean, it's been around for, I think, five years now and it is a model school that people go and see and visit all the time to take away from. And it was just because somebody took a chance to say like, why not try it this way? Yeah. Um, so I would like to see schools go in that direction where it's more student led and student focused um, and they're more in charge of their own learning rather than I'm going to teach you this and you have to take this test and all of that. So. Yeah. That was called Design 39? Yeah. In Design 39 campus, campus in San Diego. In San Diego. Yeah. Even just visiting their website, you can tell. I mean, they have um, their classrooms are basically almost all windows and then they have a garage that just opens mm. up and then <laughs> you're all of a sudden working outside and teaching outside and just things like that. Um, that's the way that we should be moving education toward. Definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. Another one of the main trends you talked about was mental health in schools. Yes. And one of the challenges there is around bullying. Yes. And you've actually written an amazing children's book about bullying. So I'd love for you to talk a bit about uh, why you wrote that, what that experience was like, and the impact of that. Sure. Thank you. So the book is called Diary of a Real Bully, and it comes from my experience with my third graders. Um, My first year of teaching, we just had this like very special uh, community feeling where everybody just loved each other and got along so well and we all cried and I'm still connected with them. One just got married a couple weeks ago, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, you know, it was just, I thought every year was going to be like that. And then, um, you know, each year after that, I just started to see, I had some really, really nice, sweet kids, very bright, came from great families, just awesome kids, but they would be really mean to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was even kind of cyclical as far as timeline. So first half of the year, great, no issues. And all of a sudden spring break comes and there's just all sorts of, you know, um, people that are upset and crying and this person said this and this person's leaving me out and all this stuff. And the kids didn't see their actions as bullying. And I realized it's because they don't fit the bully stereotype. So I paid attention to what they watched on TV. You know, I had a young daughter at the time and every single show on TV had like the big dumb mean guy who pushed people into lockers or the super popular, maybe airheaded cheerleader mean girl that, you know, was mean to everybody all the time. Um, That's not how kids are. And that's not how my students were. These were nice kids, but they would call somebody a name. They would say, no, you can't sit with me. They would uh, spread a rumor. They would, um, you know, just be more aggressive with each other. And if you try to say that that's bullying, they're like, "Uh -uh, I'm not a bully that, you know, it just didn't make sense to them. So this book just really tries to shift their thinking from um, bully as a noun and more into bullying as a verb. Mm -hmm. And it's something that all of us do regardless of who we are and how nice we are, we've all done something that makes somebody else feel bad. Um, And so in this book, the main character, Anna, is this really small, sweet, bright girl. um, And she realizes that she's bullying when she um, excludes somebody or spreads a rumor or, um, you know, teases a kid and calls them a name that sticks, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it just helps kids see that, um, we all have to be careful about our actions and how we're making other people feel. So I wrote this book, my, I think my third or fourth year teaching, and I used to share it in a duo tank folder on printer paper without any illustrations, just because I thought that the story was important and we would always come back to the character and talk about Anna um, and then talk about, you know, 
how did you make the other person feel when you said that? Oh, I made them feel bad. What were you acting like? Oh, I was acting like a bully. Do you want to be a bully? No, no kids want to be bullies. They just don't realize that's what they're doing sometimes. Um, So it was just a really powerful tool. And so once I was able to actually have it as a real book published and illustrated and um, now I get to go around and do author visits and I just spent three hours um, with some teachers from all across the area um, through the Mimic Foundation doing a presentation on um, you know shifting our mindset around bullying and so it's one of my favorite things to do and talk about um, and share I joke that it's my fourth child that book (laughs) yeah (laughs) well Melody it really is fantastic I, I actually just got it yesterday um i'm excited to share it with my six-year-old and four-year-old i love that toward the end where anna talks about i'm not a bully but sometimes i act that way and this is the idea you talked about going from noun to verb that we all have bullied we've all been the bully but it doesn't need to be our identity. Right. And I, it's a it's a great, it's fantastic. So well done. Thank you. It um, just, um, it, uh, it allows t- kids to um, take responsibility and be more accountable for their actions without the stigma of I'm going to be seen as a bully. And right. I think that has really kind of stopped the conversations that need to happen from happening. Parents get really defensive when that word comes up. Kids get really defensive. Um, and so it's just becoming more about their actions and not about, you know, who they are or aren't. Right. And kids are so open to that and they were so willing to say you know what I did act like a bully and I'm so sorry for that and then it helps them kind of change the way they um, act toward a person the next time so I'm really proud of it and um, uh, hope to keep being able to share the book yeah well well done well done thank you well Melody just keep up the great work that you're doing Uh, it'll be fascinating to follow what you do next It, it seems like something else comes comes your way a new opportunity and you and you just grab it uh, by the horns and so excited to continue to follow you where where can our listeners kind of follow up with you online or sure. uh, you have a Twitter handle I know would you be willing to um, tell them where they can continue this conversation with you yeah absolutely so um, you can visit my website which is just melodyarabu.com but I'm also really active on social media so I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Melody Arabu. Um, I have a Facebook page also just my first and last name um, and you could just email me as well melodyarabu at gmail.com but I love to connect with educators uh, I'm really interested in what's happening right now in Michigan I'm working with Ed Trust Midwest to focus on the third grade retention laws that have passed and how that's going to impact teachers, especially Mm -hmm. as a third grade teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just looking at where we are in Michigan with, you know, we'll have a new governor next year. We'll have a new state superintendent. Um, I think this is a really good time to think about what is possible for Michigan and uh, making sure that educator voice is part of those decisions. So I'd love to hear from you. Um, And I'd love to uh, connect with any other areas that people are interested in. So thank you. Yeah. Well, Melody, you have been and continue to be a great resource for Michigan educators. And so thanks so much for your time today and and for the conversation. Thank you. So that was Pete and Melody. And one thing that Melody said that kind of stood out to me was that she mentioned that students aren't the same today as they used to be. Um, Zach, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, Amy, I really appreciated that reflection from Melody and just the idea that things all o- all around education, students themselves, the education systems, um, they're not the same as they used to be, or at least they shouldn't be because the world isn't. And even just the idea that students, how they view themselves is different. 
um, we really should apply that thinking to what we do in school and how we structure school, not just the buildings or the classrooms or the furniture, but even how we teach and what we teach and why we're teaching it and what do students actually need. And to hear that reflection from Melody and also to consider implications, like there's examples of schools doing things out there and we can look to those examples and try to draw from that. Um, I think every teacher in their classroom can consider ways that they can try to rethink their classrooms. I think every administrator in their building every school board in their district. I think all of us should be considering this and not necessarily changing everything we're doing all of a sudden, but considering what we can change and how we can move toward the things that we know we need to move toward. Thanks, Zach. Those are some really powerful thoughts and thinking about school and our role in education. Well, as always, the work that we do involves supporting teachers in schools and districts on these kinds of things, trying to help you in the work that you're doing to move toward your goals. So feel free to reach out to us and always connect with us so we can have that conversation with you. cbdconsulting.com slash elevate edu. Thanks again for listening. If you haven't yet deduced, at CBD, we believe the best kind of professional growth comes from conversations with other professionals. So we have devoted ourselves to ensuring any educator anywhere can have that opportunity. Our virtual coaching service guarantees that. Check us out on cbdconsulting.com slash elevate edu. You can share thoughts with just an email or quick text or dive right into a conversation by phone or video chat. We look forward to hearing from you.